If you've been listening to my show for a while, you know how I like to talk about a gut biome test. I call it a fancy poop test. It's a fancy name for a poop test. And it's going to tell us what the ecosystem is in your gut. And why that's important is since food's the best medicine, it's going to tell us, here are your superfoods just for you to eat. Here are the foods for you to avoid. And here's everything else. Eat this a lot. Eat this a little. Now, my team has been very busy and they got an amazing deal. For anybody that wants to do this test, you can do it at home. You don't need a doctor's orders. All you have to do is just go to Viome, V as in Victor, I-O-M as in Mary, E.com, Viome.com. And at checkout, use the secret code, Julie Ryan, and you'll get more than 50% off. Don't put any spaces in there, just Julie Ryan. It's an amazing test. It's going to give you tons of information. I've done it several times myself, and you're going to be thrilled with the information you get because it'll give you a program just for you. Give it a whirl. Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. My intention in doing this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all around the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And we have a special show this week, and we've got Renee and Anthony with us, and they are uh, channelers and spiritual teachers and Gosh, have all all these skill sets that are going to be right up your alley and you guys are going to love talking with them. And of course, you know, me being an information suck, I have a bazillion questions for them. So welcome, you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Yeah, we're excited to be here. We love your show. Well, thanks. I'm delighted to have you. Tell me about you. How did you guys get into this spiritual space are you I always say I'm not a psychic who's had dead people chasing her since childhood or if I did I didn't know it let alone what I would have done with that information so did you have did you have spirits chasing you in childhood how did you guys get into this whole you call yourselves modern mystics how did that come about you want to start (laughs) well I think for me when I was a kid um I can't say that I had spirits chasing me I felt lots of energy um, growing up back east uh, in New York, we lived in a very old house, and um, there were things there that I could feel, but it didn't make me feel. I wasn't very comfortable, but I kind of just got used to it. But that was just the beginning, and you know. But I was—I grew up normally. I played sports and did all the things that you know a kid does. And but spirits were knocking. <clears throat> yeah, they were always knocking. <laughs> I just never answered the door. Yeah, I think I think they always are. And most people just are are not aware unless they're little. Little children are very aware. 
Yes. And and then I find, I don't know about you guys, but I find about the age of about seven-ish or so, they've had enough people say, oh, honey, that's just your imagination. That's not real. Yep. And then they they learn to shut it down, but everybody comes in with the ability. Renee, yeah. how about you? You know, I, I think the um, my early days were really more that feeling of being empathic and feeling everyone's energy, right? And, you know, suddenly feeling the emotions of wanting to break down in tears and didn't know why. And so, you know, I used to take on a lot of people's energy as a child without realizing it. And I also had the sort of intuitive downloads of knowing about a person before they opened their mouth. So, you know, all of these, and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't psychic in nature. It really was more, I knew their energy, their personalities, their trauma, that kind of thing. Um, and I wouldn't say I squashed it, but I certainly didn't talk about it. Oh, yeah, because people just think you're weird. I'm like, Here, that's, that's just a weird kid doing that kind of stuff, right? So, I, mean, I think growing up for both of us, we were in that weird category to begin with without mentioning that. I think my father would always say, Anthony, you're weird. I'm like, Dad, I know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was always the, the weird one in the family, so... Oh. I should mention too, Renee and I actually grew up in the same town right around the corner from each other, but we'll get to that too. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear about that. Well, you, you like to say in the, when I was, when I was doing my research to prepare for today, I, I saw that you say that you're modern mystics who bridge science and spirituality. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a great question, actually. I think when all of this first started, uh, for, you know, for many channelers where they're opening up to the universe, initially, you don't realize you're opening up to the universe, do you? I mean, it's like, oh, I have a guide or I have a set of guides. And you're trying to figure out what that means. And some of the stuff that comes through is so out there, right? <laughs> It's so out there at first there, you know, you have to question everything that's going on. So initially, when we first opened up, we had gods and goddesses coming through from across cultures, we had, you know, galactic energies, what does that mean? We had the angelic realm, we had all of these energies coming through. And I think for both of us, you know, me being grounded in tech and Anthony being grounded in science, we're like, we're not doing any of this. This is, you know, this is religious stuff. You know, these angels thing, they belong to the, you know, to the Catholics over there. You know, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So I think initially that made us retreat and not really want to do this because we couldn't really understand initially what was going on, like a lot of channelers who open up. So initially we squashed it, we pushed it away. And then I would say we dabbled and played for a few years, channeling all of these different energies and trying to learn discernment, what we were truly aligned with. And then I think the science started coming in because, uh, you know, a lot of the guides that would come through would talk about this quantum consciousness. And we started learning about the biofield before I had even read about the biofield, right? So then I would say maybe about three or four years ago, our guides came through and said, you know why you're here? You're here to bridge science and spirituality. You're not here just to teach about spirituality in a vacuum over here and, 
you know, science is over here. You're really to bring them together and to let people know that they're cut from the same mold. So I think I would say that it was a journey to get there. It wasn't initial um, from the beginning. Do you want to add to that? <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, by profession, I'm a speech and language pathologist, pediatric, and I work with very young children who have speech and language disorders and um, all different types of difficulties linguistically, cognitively, socially. And um, so this was quite an eye opener for me because I am founded in pathology, diseases that cause difficulties in one's ability to communicate. And when spirit started coming through, um, it was quite an eye opener. I had, um, before all of this had happened, I was going through ter terrible neuropathic pain throughout my entire um, uh, mouth, hard palate, soft palate, gums everywhere in my throat. And the moment that, you know, and I was, it was, it was just a very long, just a terrible process. And um, I had gone through that for years. <clears throat> this was pre-Kundalini awakening. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-Kundalini, yeah. Once spirit came through, all of the pain just went when they were able to speak through me. And um, I have just a little bit of the residue still, but not like before. Really Isn't that is. interesting? Yeah, really Think of it like a dam that's building up and yeah. resist. You know, the Buddhists say what you resist persists. Yeah. So it was that resistance built up like a dam. And then the moment <clears throat> the surrender happens, yeah. right, which every sage mage and spiritual teacher across cultures and religions and belief systems all talk about, then the dam burst out, right? And, and suddenly everything got integrated. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I went through the same thing in that I resisted doing this work and putting myself out there. And my main spirit guide's a dead pope named Clement the sixth. And he showed up the first time he showed up, he showed up in his whole pope outfit, you know, the hat, the whole nine yards. And I'm 12 years Catholic school girl. I knew it was Pope. I had no clue who it was. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. I said, okay, I never heard of a Pope Clement. Kind of like, really? And he said, yeah, I was number six. I said, okay, great. How can I help you? <laughs> and he said, you're supposed to teach the masses what happens when somebody dies because everybody's so afraid. And it's been bastardized throughout the generations. And you're supposed to teach the world what happens when everybody dies, when somebody dies. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People will think I'm nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead and do that. And when I got in the, I was with my mentor. And when I got in the car to leave, I just for kicks, I did an internet search on him. Come to find out this guy was in office during the Black Plague. And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. Wow. And I thought, girl, you can't make that up. <laughs> so here I am all these years later. And it it took golden ovary courage. You know, guys have breast balls, Anthony, and girls have golden ovaries. So <laughs> it took golden ovary courage for me to put myself out there. Yes. And, uh, you know, and here we are all these years later. No, all that's fun. really great, Julie, because I feel, you know, I resonate so much with your story because I came out of tech and right. occasionally still do consulting in that area. And I was terrified. I mean, I still don't post about what we do on my main Facebook page, right? There's, you know, there's a little bit, I wouldn't say fear. There's still a little bit of resistance for how, what we do will be translated. How long did it take you before you went, 
you decided to plunge all the way into the, before making yeah. that transition all the way over. Two things were catalysts for me. Number one was I was sitting in church on a Sunday. My husband and son were on either side of me. And from the pulpit, the priest says, wouldn't it be interesting if somebody could tell us if we're really greeted by angels and our loved ones, deceased loved ones, and escorted to heaven? And I'm getting elbowed because that's what my 12 phases of transition is. It's a configuration of angels and deceased loved ones. And I can scan anybody anywhere in the world and immediately tell you how close to death they are and communicate with them and all of that. So that was the first thing. And I'm like, okay, God, really from the pulpit in the middle of church, you're giving me grief about this. <laughs> that was the first thing. The second thing was I was really afraid, like what you were talking about, Renee, to put myself out there with a website, with on my social media, all of that. And I was lecturing for business in Austin, Texas at this huge conference, all C-suite executives, mostly male. I can't finish my talk. This guy comes up to me. He's got his iPad open. He's got AskJulieRyan.com on it. I'm thinking, oh, here we go. I'm just going to get pummeled by this guy. And he said, is this you? And I said, well, I wanted to say, yeah, it's my picture. I said, yes, it is. I'm thinking, okay, brace yourself. And he said, I'm interested in learning more. Can we sit together at lunch? And I said, sure. And then I thought, oh, again, you know, prepare yourself. You're probably going to be nauseous during lunch. So we were in a hotel ballroom and there was a table of eight. You know, they have the circular tables of eight. And it was seven male C-suite level executives from tech, mostly, you know, Austin and me. And we talked about woo-woo the whole time. They, they didn't care what I talked about in my talk. I mean, they cared, but they didn't want to talk about what I what I'd lectured about. They wanted to talk about woo-woo stuff. And so that really got me to the place where I believed that that was a sign going, give it up. You know, this is, this is where you're being led, follow it, jump in with both feet. And, and I did, and that was, that was probably six or seven years ago. And the, the interesting thing about this too, that I can tell you both is being business people and, and in the sciences, this is the first thing I've ever done without a business plan, without looking at measurables, any of that. I'm being led. People say, well, where do you expect to be? I'm going, I don't know. I just go where I'm led. And it's a blast. It is the most fun I've ever had. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because our guides do just say to trust and everything's taken care of. And we're like, well, what does that mean? Everything's taken care You're of. Like, everything's <laughs> fine. Don't worry. Stay, well, in the, stay in the present moment. Yeah. Stay in the moment. And and then, you know, yeah, I still got a mortgage I got to pay. And I still yeah. got, you know, I still got to pay the electric bill and stuff. And And what I have found is that where I'm led, and I talk to my Pope Clement all the time, and I'll tell him reasons why I can't do something, especially early on. And he treats me like a Nike ad and he'll just say, yeah, just do it. And then I'll, I'll get through the fear and I'll do it. And then it will be just, it'll, it'll flourish. So it's, I think the key is to be able to differentiate, differentiate between really what's a rational fear and what's an irrational fear. And most fears are irrational. And so if we can lessen that fear enough and take action, then we're shown the way we're led. 
in well, that. Also, the you know the fear in our field, in our bio field, right? You know, as you know, as an intuitive, right, in this area, it's that you know that built up of blockage over time leads to disease if not attended to. So we want that free flowing energy of you know that access to the all, right, and not bottling everything in which is blocking all of our chakras and, you know, it's just unhealthy overall. So I think getting out of the fear grid and plugging into the trust, love, connection, unity, consciousness grid is really uh, what's key for vitality in our health. Oh, there's always an emotional component. Most of the work I do is, is medical related energy healing and, and medical intuition stuff. And there's always an emotional component in place before any kind of disease or illness or sickness mm. sets in a hundred percent of the time. And to your point, Renee, those blocks, I go for where did the first block originate? Because these other ones pile on top of it, the energy, and then it causes a blowout in the, what I call the energy field membrane allows energy leaks, body's not working on full power that's always in place before mm -hmm. any kind of illness or disease yeah. sets in. Yeah. So how did you guys finally meet if you grew up a block away from each other? Well, we, we went off and married different people. I, you know, this was our first chapter. He lived in, you know, the Bronx, right. And, and outer New York. And I lived in, 11 countries all over the world. I married a South African and lived in England, Turkey, South Africa, lived in the Middle East, traveled around the world. And then we're not going to say what number reunion it was, <laughs> but let's just say a, a, a numbered reunion. And we, we met there and we had remembered each other, but it, we hadn't really you know, we were both divorced at that point. So you went to high school together. Yeah, we yes. went to high school together. We had oh the same God. homeroom together too. Yeah. So, you know, we went off on, you know, completely different paths initially, you know, and I always, you know, I always thought if we had met earlier, I'm not sure, right, if we would have stayed together. It's hard to know. I mean, we're both multicultural. Anthony loves languages. I love languages and cultures. We both embrace and love all aspects of, you know, multi-world travel. I mean, I run a travel magazine, right, as well. And so I think, you know, who knows, right? But clearly we're meant to have found each other at some juncture in this life and do this work together. It's pretty obvious to us. Yeah. So you just saw each other at the high school reunion and said, oh, hey, babe, how you been for the last However many so years. I actually asked my how did, friend, how did that come about? I asked my a good friend of mine, I said, who is that? <laughs> She's beautiful. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had tight um uh jeans that I that I picked up in Beverly Hills. They had kind of this like they were artistic, very Romanesque jeans um with some power boots on, right? <laughs> and I think he was just kind of looking at that more than looking at me. <laughs> So you started talking and then you got together. And then when did you figure out you were both interested in spirituality or did you develop that at the same time once you were a couple? Oh, no, you have no idea. This is how crazy it is. So, um, yeah, I was back as I, I was I was there for a business trip. You know, I wasn't going to go to this reunion. And then, you know, this is where serendipity of the universe comes together. I had a, a potential client who said, I want to fly you to New York and then I'm going to put you, you know, pick me up in a limo in New York to, you know, for a meeting in upstate New York. 
what business in tech does meetings in upstate New York an hour from the Adirondacks? I mean, it just doesn't happen. Austin, Denver, right? You know, Silicon Valley, Seattle, but not upstate New York. So not only were they paying my way there, you know, having a limo pick me up, but paying double my day rate. Also, I could be in upstate New York at the same time of the reunion. I mean, okay, it was like throwing me into the woods like you needed to be there. And so, you know, it was clearly meant to be that we were supposed to meet up. And so I didn't have a car for that. Um, I didn't rent a car because of the situation. So after the the first night, uh, you know, we were all chatting and I said, can anyone give me a ride to my sister's house? And Anthony with his Camaro, Italian Camaro, said, I'll drop you off. I always wanted a Camaro. There you go. I, I had to try one. Yeah. It didn't last long, but it was fun. And so guess what his first line was to me the moment we were alone and not in a group of people? The very first line. What was no it? clue. Do you believe in God? Oh, you did. You did. Hmm. And I thought, OK, this guy's a crazy religious freak. With a Camaro. <laughs> With a Camaro. Uh, let's just get me to my sister's place <laughs> and, you know, do that check mark again. You know, my grandfather always said to stay away from crazy Italians. So, you know, dropped me off at my sister's place and we spoke in the car like kids do, right? Until about four or five in the morning, you know, oh, and the rest yeah. is just history. And, you know, he really, it wasn't about God. It really was about this universal source and consciousness and this connectedness. But that's not what. But I wasn't open at the time. Yeah, he wasn't open. I had just gone through a terrible. Divorce. Not so much divorce, but a couple of years of this Kundalini awakening in the Bronx, which is not a good place to have a Kundalini <laughs> awakening in the Bronx. <laughs> This sounds like a Woody Allen movie. Kundalini <laughs> awakening in the Bronx. You don't want to. It's, it's yeah, a, it's we a, always joke, it's right? A tough awakening. We, we joke about that. If you're going to have a Kundalini awakening and you go to the Bronx, they're going to put you on morphine. Yes. And you know, do. whatever. If, if it happens where we live in, in Marin, they'll say, oh, you know, here's the meditation studio over in the ER. Right. And would you like some chamomile tea while you're waiting? <laughs> right. So. Hilarious. All right. So so you guys then got together. You lived in different parts of the country and and you got together. And then once you were together, how did you figure out that you were doing this spiritual thing? Did one of you kind of were you the catalyst or did you? Renee, that was you. You're shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely the catalyst. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just, you know, having fun and. <clears throat> when people came over because the guides would come through every night, like they still do. <clears throat> and it was just, it was almost like I was in practice that we were in practice in reading. School. It was yeah. like we were in school. I mean, it got to the point where one time I was, um, they would come through and I, I couldn't move and the guides would say, okay, now Renee, you're going to teach them how to walk. And <laughs> she had to lift me and I had to walk. I looked like a robot because I couldn't walk. Cause it's full embodied channeling. Yeah. So when it initially happened, you know, as we hadn't heard of Edgar Casey at the no. time. We didn't know who he was. And of course, read about every single channeler on the planet within the first two years. And, you know, back in the early days of channeling, especially for the rare type of channeling, the full embodied piece of it, 
you know, you couldn't walk, you were kind of frozen, you had to be in the dark. And that was similar to us, we had to be in the dark, no lights on, no noise, I couldn't sneeze. I would light a candle. I don't know why it didn't occur to me to record things in the early, early days, but we didn't. I would write everything down in the dark. We did a little bit. We did a little bit, yeah. you know, but the clarity of the transmission was very murky at first until yeah. the, you know, until the antennas got clear and that alignment happened. And so that occurred, I would say, over a period of three to five years. It, yeah. was, it wasn't an overnight thing. Yeah. It's not like suddenly oh, here's spirit and go out to the world and teach. It was more like, here's spirit. And we're like, I'm not sure I we want I couldn't control this. <laughs> any of it. It was, yeah. couldn't control it. I mean, right now I can I can see them knocking on my, they don't leave me alone sometimes. They're like, I'm like, I hear you guys. Um, I couldn't go into a restaurant. I'd have to go in and come back out and go in because the energy was just so strong for me. And it took a lot of time. And um, a lot of practice to integrate, a lot of crying, <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything as a child that I had gotten rid of, you know, I thought was gone. It all came back again. All of the pictures, all of these beings, you know, they all came back again. And I had to I had to become accustomed to what they look like, why they're here. And they were literally teaching me how to understand who I am in this lifetime so that Renee and I could do this for other people as well. And, and I also think I would add to that to go through the full spectrum. And I know, Julie, we were all talking about this before, um, you know, before the program started about that full spectrum that again, every single sage mage and spiritual teacher speaks about that there really is no evil or dark energies that we are the full spectrum of light right? That's who we are as energy beings. And I think being afraid of that full spectrum, right? You know, sometimes our guides will say, well, you know, I'd say in the early days, well, if it looks scary, sweetheart, tell it to go away. We don't want to be channeling dark energies. And they were literally preparing us to understand, well, that's just a shadow of yourself. It's an aspect of yourself. And it's nothing to be afraid of, but when you fear it and you resist it, you're literally bringing that into your field. So, you know, that's been a very long process for us both to learn about that. And, you know, for me, I don't want to see those energies. I, I hear them, I feel them, and I sense them. And Anthony gets visions. You really get the whole spectrum. Yeah, I see them all. <laughs> he for everything sees, that they are. <laughs> I always say the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> They're all there, but they're all beings. They're they're just light beings, and they're fine. The the quantum part of it was I don't know how far it was. They had said, "Listen, you guys are going to be connecting science and spirituality together," <clears throat> and they said, "We need you to know about quantum." I said, "I know nothing about quantum. I I, I know nothing." So they said, "Get a book." <laughs> get books so I got the first book you know quantum physics for dummies and so that's how it started so I had to start reading about quantum and quantum mechanics and quantum physics and all of this stuff so I could try to understand when they came through and they would start talking about vibrations and frequencies I could understand it a little bit better and stinks um string theory and all these other things 
But the interesting thing is that books started showing up on our doorstep, you know, because I run yeah. a travel magazine, people want us to review things. So people, authors are always, you know, publishing houses are always sending us books to review. And sometimes we ordered them and expressed, you know, interest in them. And other times we didn't, they would just show up. And it's funny because I'm the one who ended up getting more interested in the quantum piece of it. And, you know, as of today, probably have read what, 40 books on quantum, various aspects of quantum. And the books would come in and it was funny because it was almost as if the universe was sending us these books. So a whole box of books would, and I, you know, I'd go through and I'm like, okay, shaman, that's for me. The quantum, that's for me. You know, the the ancient sages, mages, and saints, that's for Anthony. You know, so we would parse these things out, right? Just simply um, from the energies that would come through. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you guys, I know, work together and you channel together. And I think everybody channels. I think every book that's been written, every song, every screenplay, every, everything's channeled. And, and I know in my books, there are times when I'll write things and I'll go back and read it later and I'll go, wow, that's pretty good. I don't even remember writing that, <laughs> you know, seriously. And, and then, and that's even before it gets to my editor. I was like, wow, wow. Okay. So Paul McCartney, let it be, you know, he dreamt that every, everything. And, and so how did you discover that working together really was a way for you to convey the messages of spirit. You talk about your three-dimensional triangle and your divine figure eight. Can you tell us about that and tell us how that came to be and what does it mean and what are the benefits of it? It's really important. It's a great question. Actually, no one's asked that question, but it's critical to the work that we do. I don't know how that three-dimensional triangle came. They would say we come through her. They always say we have to come through her first or we'll take hold of her auric field. So they say, our our guides will say that it enters through my crown chakra, comes through, forms this kind of sacred geometric shape, right? Because if you think about sacred geometry, which we've also learned a lot about in this process, our guides will say the sacred three is the sacred number of this universe, not every universe, but this universe. Mm -hmm. So that's the the meaning of the three. And if you think about it, you know, and I have a lovely, um, I guess, six slide representation of all the triangles across every culture, right? You know, so obviously in Christianity, we, we know what it is, right? But in all the other aspects, there's Vishnu and, you know, there's there's the platonic solids. There's all of these different things across cultures. So that's the three. The figure eight is really the infinity. They would show this. Yeah, it's the infinity. So if you imagine the energy is coming through here and it's working through both of us, that is the balance back and forth, the divine feminine and divine masculine. And so that's the most important piece of our work, I, I really do believe that we're still we're, we're still trying to discern exactly the significance of it. I mean, obviously, intellectually, we know the world needs more balance of yin and yang, right? We know that, but I think that that's coming through 
our guides really want us to demonstrate the importance of that. Do you want to have any other well, downloads I, you know, that you have about yeah, that? Yeah, that's because now primarily the, the guides that we channel are, are Yeshua energy and Miriam. Magdalene. Magdalene. And there you have the balance again of divine feminine, divine masculine coming together, as I always say, as one. And they want to demonstrate that oneness of coming together, that in truth, there is no masculine and there's no feminine, but they want us to know that you are one with source all the time, no matter what. But you just have this perception of masculine and feminine but you can use that to balance yourself as well. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because it depends on the group that we work yeah. with. Sometimes they will use the teaching of the yin and yang and the balance of the masculine and feminine. If the group is ready to hear a more yeah. advanced message, they will really speak to the point that there is no masculine. They'll get into the real quantum aspect of who we are as, as light beings. I have a, a class that I teach called Angelic Attendant Training, and it's quarterly. And I teach people from all over the world how to do all the stuff that I learned to do. And my January class just ended, and I had a student who's a, a quantum physicist who teaches at Oxford University in England. And it was fascinating hearing her take on things. And she said that the quantum physicists believe that everything comes from one cell. Everything is all connected in one cell. And I said, well, that's just another name for source. It's mm -hmm. all energy. It's all the same. You drop, you're a drop of water. You drop yourself into the Pacific Ocean. You are the Pacific Ocean, right? <laughs> same kind of a concept. So I find it interesting with the sacred geometry because a lot of people don't know, but for instance, our capital, Washington, D.C., here in the U.S., is all laid out in a grid of sacred geometry. Yep. And Benjamin Franklin and, you know, and a lot of the founders of the United States of America were all very much into that. Our currency has sacred geometry on it. The sacred geometry of the pyramids that are all over the world, and those are not only energy generators from a healing perspective, but also from a communication perspective, because it's there's no way that they're all lined up latitude, latitudinally and longitudinally how they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and still with those pyramids, you think, how did they get those big old stones to build those things without, we we would have trouble building it with our modern technology. How did they do that 10,000 years ago? Okay. You know, was that, was that other beings coming in and helping? Was it that they were channeling some kind of Herculean energy <laughs> that was giving them the power to be able to move those things? I, I just think it's a wonderful discussion to have. So let's talk about your channeling for a minute. For people who are watching and listening, what is channeling? What do you consider channeling to be? I think um, what you had mentioned earlier, I think everybody channels yeah. in his and her own way. People channel through art, through music, through dance, through literature. Spielberg, you know. Film. Yeah, think about, you know, the film, all of this stuff, right, is channeling. 
They, they may Einstein is a perfect example perfect of a channeler. Example. He would sit in his rocking chair, fall asleep, and <laughs> I think it would just stuff would come to him. And so for me, channeling for me, um, because I'm a full embodied channeler, uh, I allow my auric field to be open to the universe itself. And um, energy forms will come and they will take hold take hold, they, as they say, they will electrify themselves more so that they can come forth. And then when they leave, they just, they'll say, we are going to allow Anthony's light to shine a little bit brighter now. So in the early days, we thought that they kind of plugged in. Well, they, they do in a way. They plug into the auric field, but we really thought, we never wanted to use the word possessed because it freaks people out, but really embraces, takes hold of the field. And then they would leave, right? Or so we thought, right? That they would leave. And so we always use this language that, oh, well, our guides are leaving now. But then one day, because we um, we just finished our first channel book, though we haven't figured out how we're going to publish it yet. So maybe we can talk about that later. But, you know, we there was one point where, can't remember what chapter it was, but as the Magdalene energy was leaving, right? This was about a year ago, maybe, or eight months ago. Anthony came out of trance and he said, oh my God, what they've actually showed me, they don't leave at all. What they do, it's like it's like a Christmas tree light, right? And so you imagine that all the lights are, you know, different colors or whatever, and they're brighter. They all come in as a collective consciousness and I'm part of it. Yeah. Like I'm part of all these bulbs on a tree. And then what they do is they dim their lights and retract. And then the bulb, the light bulb of Anthony shines brighter and gets individualized, if you like, and comes through. And that's that's how we channel um, the so-called perceived energies of of Magdalene and Yeshua. And we say perceived because they always say we are not one. You know, you think of us as Yeshua because. That's who I was when I walked the earth playing 2000 years ago, but I'm not one. You're not one. None of us are you know, the interesting we're, thing, we're all unified. They, when they first came through, they would say, we are no different than you. We are you. Yeah. And they still say exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. They would always say we're in your most intimate, your most intimate settings. And we're like, really? What does that mean? That's because they never leave because we never leave. Yeah. We're here. This is it. We're always connected. That's back to the quantum physicist who said that, you know, we are one and yet we're all at the same time, right? The drop in the ocean, but also the ocean. So it really does go back to the science of being integrated and part of that one cell. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, and for those who are listening and watching that don't know who Yeshua is, that's another name for Jesus or the Christ consciousness. Right is what that is. And Mary Magdalene hangs around me a lot too, but she always has a gaggle of women with her. She's always got two or three other women with her, which is interesting. And, uh, you know, it's just what she does. And I asked her one time, I said, why are you around me? And she said, because you have the potential to be persecuted when you go public with all of this. And, uh, and like I was, you know, for thousands of years and still is in a lot of the holy texts of the, you know, the Christian faith, which is just total nonsense. It's just Mm -hmm. used to control the masses, right? It's all about the fear, eliciting fear 
and all of that. So I know you guys channel different entities. Do you believe that they come through so that it's easier for us to have a frame of reference in our human understanding of this? Because spirit to me doesn't have a gender. Spirit's just energy. But when we refer to spirit like Mary Magdalene, well, in our frame of reference, Mary Magdalene is a feminine name. So we would refer to the spirit Mary Magdalene as a her or a, you know, she. And do you find that spirits come through in different people, Einstein, that lived so that it's easier for us to comprehend them in that context? What are your thoughts about that? Most of us have busy lives and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one, it's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. And I find that they're really helpful. They save me time. They're easy to take. And I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals. B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, altogether, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, minerals, dot com, and use Julie Ryan at checkout, and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they'll say all the time that, you know, the human understanding of the world or our ability to process and make sense of things is very linear. So in a linear worldview, how else do you explain it, right? Linear is all about polarities, masculine, feminine, black, white. I mean, our whole world is structured on polarities, which is Really, unfortunately, you know, it could be a beautiful spectrum of things like, wow, humanity comes in a million different cultures and colors and belief systems. And how amazing is that? And of course, you know, we turned it around and said, no, let's divide ourselves. Right. And so, you know, that's the polarity of the linear way of thinking. And so it's the way we learn. It's the way that we process things. And so our guides will say, okay, Magdalene's here. He, she, it, they will sometimes she'll say, I'm here. Sometimes the energy will um, use the language we. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Yeshua has said, I'm not really a he or a she or an it. I'm kind of a they. And I'm multiple frequencies and my soul is made of thousands of frequencies, just as your soul is made of thousands of frequencies. So I think absolutely that's true. It's a way for um, us to understand. And even to the point of when we talk about past lives, you know, in a quantum worldview, there is no past lives, right? Everything is now. And so sometimes they'll use language like um, if you choose to say that it's from a past life, you can. 
if that makes it easier for you to process it. But really what it is, is another life or human experience or other um, being experience, right? On another plane and dimension is really what it is. And they're all happening simultaneously, which is just way too woo-woo, right? For us to, I mean, even those of us in the spiritual circles, it's too woo-woo for us to understand. So I think it's easier for us to think, you know, even in the healing work we do, it's better for us to say, yes, the healing happens ancestral, backwards, forwards, you know, happens to us, it happens in all directions, because it's easier for people to get their heads around, you know, and I would say some of the quantum ways that our guides would use language is like when you heal yourself in this dimension, you're healing yourself and affecting that ripple effect in every other dimension. So we perceive it as past lives or ancestral healing, but it's really all happening simultaneously. Does that kind of make sense of in the context of what you were asking? It it does. And I think the multiple reality question is really baffling to we humans because they're all happening concurrently. I can scan, I can do past lives. I do past life scans. I don't do the hypnotist thing. I envision myself in this endless hallway. And it's interesting, sacred geometry. There are these big squares that line the walls vertically and horizontally in perfect columns. And there are about 12 inch by 12 inch each square as far as the eye can see and even farther from what I can't see. And then I'll ask a question like, do Anthony and Renee have any past lives together? And the the lives that are represented by those mirrors come out from the wall as if they're on a hydraulic arm. And then I'll say, show me the one that correlates the most. That one will come out the farthest. I'll get myself in front of it in vision walking into it. And I'm given where it was, when it was, what you were doing, what some of the things are that happened. So I do it that way because when I ask what's the most prevalent or what's the one that makes the most sense, what resonates the most, we just cut to the chase and we get all those other lifetimes all rolled up into whichever one makes the most sense. But then when I'm scanning a building and I can see different realities in the building, for instance, in my book, I have a chapter called the train wreck. And I was in this office building and there's all these spirits in there and there had been a train wreck and the building had been used as a temporary morgue at the turn of the 20th century. And so I could see all these spirits and I I mean, it's, it's a riot. And I, and I thought, all right, I'm in this reality. I'm perceiving this other reality. I'm able to communicate with these spirits and what's up with that? But I think that's what happens. Like Anthony, you said you grew up in an old house and you could feel other spirits there. Well, there are endless stories. Every every antebellum home I go in here, I live in the deep South. I always ask, you got any good ghost stories? You know, I mean, stuff (laughs) happened. They all do. You're like, oh yeah, I don't know about that. I was in um, Austin that same trip. I guess it was a big trip for me. I was in the uh, in a historic hotel called the Driscoll, 
And oh, I, I love the Driscoll. The Driscoll's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. historic. And uh, and I was I was taking a tour, and I'm upstairs outside of the ballrooms with the little bellman who's giving me the tour, and I'm smelling cigar smoke. And I thought there is no way they're going to let somebody smoke inside this hotel or any hotel, let alone a cigar. So I see Colonel Driscoll walking through this lobby area with his cigar. So the cigar smoke was turn on your radar, Ryan, because stuff's going on here. And I, um, and so I saw that I saw some other things. One of my favorite parts of that story was I went in one of the ballrooms and it has these huge gold leaf mirrors, probably eight of them in one of the upstairs ballrooms. And this little Little Bellman said, yeah, we think that was from Emperor Maximilian's palace from Mexico City. And we think there's a, a um, like a cameo carved into the wood on the top of all the mirrors. And he said, and we think that was his wife, Carlotta. Well, I'm hearing that's not Carlotta. That's his girlfriend, his mistress, Jocinda. And I'm thinking, OK. So I asked him if he knew anything about Jocinda. No, he didn't. And so I just called them both in. I called Jocinda and Carlotta in. I said, who is that on the cameo? And Jocinda said, it was me. And I said, okay, great. And so we were we were doing that. Long story short, I researched it later. There's all this historical information about Jocinda being the mistress of Emperor Maximilian. I didn't know there ever was an Emperor Maximilian, let alone that he had a girlfriend named Jocinda. <laughs> but it was, they both showed up in their hoop skirts and their jewels. I mean, they were buddies. It was wild. So that kind of stuff happens all it the time. Does. Yeah, we've had our, yeah. um, you know, we were supposed to be reviewing. Um, well, we didn't know it was a haunted hotel. It was just set up because we do a lot because of the travel magazine. We get invited yeah. to review hotels all the time. And a lot of them are very upscale and some are unique independent properties. And this one had a little Ghostbuster on the on the window. And we're like, huh. <laughs> and we didn't end up staying there, actually. But um, when Anthony had walked in, because she the, the the owner happened, not the owner, I think it was one of the managers happened to be there. And she's like, oh, I'm never here normally. She said, I can give you a tour of the place. And Anthony was sitting there thinking haunted really I don't feel a thing right because we were just standing in the hallway and then suddenly we walked into the first room do you remember and you felt like you were hit by a bunch of she said oh we have a few ghosts I'm like no you yeah. have like thousands of energies here well actually she yeah. said we have a ghost his name is whatever and Anthony's like no it's not one because ghost. this one hotel was used during I think World War One, yeah. where there were a lot of soldiers that were there to die. It was mm -hmm. like an infirmary. Yeah, um, it was like, really a, the last step where yeah. people um, so, went. So, you know, walking down the hallway, you could feel and see a lot of these energies just kind of walking past. And, yeah, it was weird. You know, and we've had that a lot. There's a, you know, another hotel that was that's closed now in Calistoga. And remember, we were walking past the windows and you were seeing all the energies of, you know, it's been shut down for a while, but lots and lots of stories about yeah. the ghosts who frequent the, the walls. So we, we tend not to kind of hang out in those places much. But they are fun. They are really fun. And I don't, I'm unlike you, Anthony, I turn my abilities on and off at will. Yeah. So, I, you know, I go in places, I, 
I'm just a regular humanoid, just doing yeah. my thing. And, you know, and if I'm prompted, like I'm smelling cigar smoke where I know it's not supposed to be, that's my cue to turn on my radar and see what's going on. Well, I think that's, yeah, so. that's true. I can do that now before. Yeah. I well, yeah. and back to that, I think that we uh, go through kind of a, a um, marinating system, if you will, where we're, we can reach higher and higher and higher frequencies yeah. and higher vibrational levels. And I use the analogy, I use analogies a lot to give our human minds a frame of reference for this woo-woo stuff. But I like to use the analogy of, if you don't know how to swim, you're not going to dive into the 12 foot portion of a pool. You're going to go into the shallow end and then you're going to wade up to your waist and then your shoulders. And you're going to learn how to tread water. You're going to learn how to swim. And then you'll dive in to the, to the deep end. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's the same with this. And, and with practice, people continue to get better and better and better. I've been doing this stuff, this medical intuitive stuff for 30 years, not, not, publicly, not as a business, except the last five or six, but certainly over that time, I see new healings happen all the time. I still see new healings all the time. And it's so much fun because it appeals to my inventor brain. I'm going, oh, cool. Look at this. How's this working? Oh yeah. Wow. And it's, it's always something new, which makes it really fun and really exciting. Back to the multiple realities happening concurrently. Are all realities, do you think, happening all at the same time? Or do you think it's just within a certain time frame? Like we're going to go from the 1600s to the 2000s, and those are happening like in one swirl. And then the ones that are BC to whatever are happening in another swirl. And, and how do we focus on accessing the different different realities how can somebody that's not trained to do this if they if they're interested is there a way for them to be able to focus on that and pull that up are our guides trying to come through well yeah they're always coming I'm, through, fe- I'm feeling like they're um, trying to come through right now I, I you know what they show me are literally multiple worlds like I, and just it's like it's like layered Mm-hmm. All of these worlds are a vibration, and we are like like our hair. All of our hair are different frequencies that um, make up a particular vibration that enter into a vibration and have an experience. They'll say there is no good or bad experience. You're just here to have an experience. You decide on the perception of it, yeah. and that's what it really is. They'll say you are having. Your multi-dimensional beings have a, having a multi-dimensional realities all at the same time. You may not know it, but this is what's happening. But you have the ability through your own intentions to change these multiple realities whenever you choose. Which is how healing happens, right? Yes, that's you know, how healing as, happens. As Yeshua has always told us. He over, would say, I didn't heal, heal anybody. Yeah, over 2,000 years ago, his ability was to be able to go into that original blueprint right speak to the soul and say hey soul i'm communicating with you let's have a frequency match right and you have this frequency match and what ultimately happens with that frequency match is the soul speaks to the soul and decides it's going to heal itself yeah so you know that we've always been told that by you know the guides that we channel particularly yeshua 
will always say, you know, and you know this too, as a healer, you're the vessel, right? You're not, you're not the one doing the healing. Well, and I always use the example of nobody heals anybody else. We only heal ourselves. No doctor, no medical provider, no healer, no shaman, no anybody. Because if you think about it at the end of a surgical procedure, how does the surgeon close the wound with sutures and staples? The surgeon doesn't make the patient's skin grow back. The patient makes their own skin grow back. And I think that's just one example of the healing. How is it that a surgeon has two patients back to back, same procedure, both healthy, one heals easily and quickly, the other one doesn't? Well, that's that patient's spirit's prerogative to utilize the healing in a way that's going to help them experience and explore whatever it is they want to experience and explore at this time. And I completely agree with you about in the spirit world, no right or wrong, no good or bad. And it's all our perspective and and our spirit expands out from that. And when we expand is in, is in physical form, because what I get in heaven is that they just, and heaven is another reality. That is how we've been taught you know, is a frame of reference and that they just think of something and it's, they're immediately doing it or it materializes or whatever. There's no lag time in the manifestation. So interesting. Do you believe that there's really just one truth across all the, I know you've studied lots of religions and cultures. Is there, is there like follow the golden rule, you know, treat, treat your neighbor as you want to be treated on your treated yourself. Do you find that there's, there's just like one basic truth or is there a kind of a, um, if you took an amalgam of all different religions and cultures, are there, are there different variables that are all the same? Are they, are there different points that are all the same? Perhaps they're just set in a different way. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely accurate that they're set in a different way. I mean, I think the one consistent one that you hear over and over is be in the present moment, because in that present moment, you can be of gratitude and be of love, right? And that keeps you out of the fear grid because fear doesn't serve us. So that's one. I think um, another consistent thread, again, across all cultures is the surrender into your own being, surrender into trust, have faith or, you know, whatever you want to call it into something bigger than yourself. Um, you know, and that lens that really is a really um, great segue into contribution and service. So, you know, these are these are the things that are kind of beyond the ego self. Our guides like to call it the divine ego, you know, which is really the high heart chakra. So it's kind of really tapping into all of these aspects that allow us to surrender into the oneness of being and, and surrender into the universal consciousness. I think the one truth that they always talk about is that um, you are love. Yeah. You are light. You are love. And always remember that and that there is no separation between you and source and that you have everything you could possibly want. You can make it happen. And if you if you can always remember that you are light and your love, it will bring you back to who you truly are in this lifetime. And when you do that, you expand 
And when you expand into this vibration, you're not, again, not only healing yourself, but you're healing everything, all of the energies that you're connected to. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the other thing, our I'm a changed are, man, really, I am. Yeah. I'm mean, living in the Bronx for 20 years. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. So the other thing that our guides always love to say is that, you know, when you heal yourself, you heal others. Yes. When you heal others, you heal yourself. So it's a symbiotic relationship, you know, among each other, you know, and that's a real, I think that's a really important lesson, you know, because I think people show up and they're like, you're the healer, heal me, do something, get me out of pain, take away my, take away my, um, you know, my cancer or whatever. And yeah. I think, you know, going back to the present moment of being connected to the here and now and knowing that, you know, it's really the surrendering into what did our guide say the other day? We have a, a friend who sadly did pass away um, and he was a spiritual teacher for 30 something years. And he, you know, came up with this very, very obscure stage four it wasn't throat cancer, but it was similar, right? It was in the same field. And I remember kind of lung cancer, I think it was. It wasn't, it wasn't traditional lung cancer, yeah. but it was stage four and it was pretty progressive and he didn't last very long. And our guide said to him, or maybe it was Yeshua said, can you find the love in your disease? Can you bring love to the disease? You know, and for whatever reason, his soul decided not to heal himself. I, I absolutely felt that he with all of his knowledge and his training and, you know, his ability to really truly surrender and get that message, he had the ability to, but for whatever reason, his soul decided not to continue living, perceived living in this vibration, you know? So who knows why the soul decides to continue to do the work here and, uh, you know, do the healing and who doesn't, you know, it's really, um, it's not up to us as healers to decide that though. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes death is the healing. Yeah. Right. And I think that's important to remember too, because we all decide when we go, where we go, how we go, who's with us or isn't with us when we go. I, I talk to a lot of people that have guilt because everybody was with grandma for three weeks and aunt Susie was on duty and she got up to get a cup of coffee and grandma slipped away when she was out of the room for three minutes. And then aunt Susie is riddled with grief. And I always say, grandma chose to do that. Talk to any funeral director anywhere in the world. And they have endless stories. Talk to any hospice person and they have endless stories about that's We all choose where, how, when, you know, what those circumstances are. One of the things that I really enjoy about your work is you guys have fun doing this. And I do too. And I find that so many spiritual teachers are very serious and they're very, you know, you got to meditate for five hours before you can connect with spirit and you have to do it this way and all that. I'm like, no, you don't. Spirit's fun. Spirit's pure joy. I, I say spirit, all spirit knows how to do is send love. Anthony, to your point earlier, mm. I use the analogy of it's like the sun. The sun knows how to do one thing. It knows how to shine. Doesn't care if it's raining where you are. Doesn't care if you're inside, outside, whatever. Sun's just going to shine. Same with, with spirit. Spirit's just going to send love. That's all spirit does. And so... Oftentimes I'll hear, well, is my dad mad at me because of the way I settled his estate? And I say, that's a human thing. 
all human emotions stay with the body when somebody dies. Spirit is pure love. So I really appreciate that you guys talk about how it's fun. It's invigorating. It's it's a blast to do this work. Can you say more about that? How did you come to that realization? I, I you know, personally, you know, Julie, I think it's a choice. I mean, I remember when, you know, we had these galactic energies coming through uh, way back when. And I remember just like, you know, getting up on my little prima donna, like, who are these energies? And why, you know, why are you here? And you're super serious anyway, you know, and we're sarcastic, and we have fun. And we're from New York. And, you know, we're not channeling you guys, you're just not fun. I remember saying that you're not fun, you're serious, you're, you know, I feel like it's too intense when you come through. And so we had to teach our guides humor a little bit. And I remember saying one day, you know, if I'm going to continue on this path, I got to have a little fun here, because it's way too serious. You know, I'm constantly worried about discernment, because I'm the discernment queen, right? Is this a good energy? Is this not a good energy? You know, and I think at some point along the way, we just surrendered into why are we doing what we do? We're, we're here to help people and, and we're here to bring love to the world. And if you don't do this from a place of inner joy and, you know, love and laughter, then why show up? You know, so I think it was really a choice. Would you not say that? I think it was just, you know, we have to have fun with this. This is who we are. I mean, he's Italian. I'm French, right? We we love to hug people. We love to eat food. You know, we love wine. And that goes to your second point of, you know, we are pretty healthy. So, you know, we're not vegans. We are absolutely not vegans, but we are healthy. We believe in sustainability, eating sustainable food, organic, wherever you can, supporting local farmers, all of these things. But we eat almost everything. You know, there are certain things that are um, really not great for the energy or the physical body that we stay clear of, right? The regular suspects, but for the most part, it's a vibration. So when you are one with the food that you're eating, um, the lifestyle that you're living and you're connected to that, then suddenly what you perceive to be evil is no longer evil or bad for you. You're just having a different relationship with it. And, you know, that's not to say that you should, you know, be eating processed food and sausages and boxed, you know, food, because if you eat from a box, you become a box. So, but it, you As know, our guides will, our, our guides will say that, yeah. yeah, you become a box. But I think, you know, it, it's really that relationship that you have to all of these perceptions that we have, right? And that's what shows up in the world. If you have the intention that this is of love, you're blessing this, we're in this like, you know, whatever you wanna call it, sacred container of love because our intention is there, then that's the vibration that comes back to you, right? Well, they would also say, listen, you have to have fun on this journey. Yeah. The whole idea is to have fun. And they'll say things like, we can't, you can't spell fun or we can't spell fun without you in the middle. Yeah, that's a little they'll corny. make these weird corny. little things that I, they'll use <laughs> memories that I have from like the cat in the hat, things like that. And they'll say, you see, have fun. They said, because when you're here having this experience, have the best experience you can have and have as much fun as you can, because that's what it's about. 
And so we take a very light aspect to it. When our guides come through at nighttime, they want to test the wine. They want to see what the wine is like. They want to try the food because it's a full embodied experience. It's an experience for them as well. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So, but have you know, fun. Yeah, fun and is, that's not to yeah. say we don't work hard. We 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 work very long hours. Um, we do take our work seriously. We're very committed to community, and our community. I think that's another thing really worth mentioning. Is you know a lot of times people will say, well, you know, what's my soul's purpose, and you know, what am I supposed to be doing, and you know, where am I supposed to go? And it's like, well, stay in the resonance field of love and keep connecting to community of like-minded frequencies. So our guides are very fond of saying, if you want your frequency to be higher, right? And to live in from a different place, then you need to frequent the frequencies that you want to become like, right? This is no different than the vortex that Esther and Jerry Hicks talked about for a million years. And Tony Robbins calls it something else, right? You know, the aha breakthrough moments, right? Where you're breaking through this, you know, getting to that sort of next level or the next dimension. That's all this is, right? You know, who you spend your time with is who you become. So, you know, if you want to, you know, and family's tough, family's tough. (laughs) Well, it's all perspective. It's all perspective. You know, I, I teach people just come from a place of compassion Say, obviously, this person acting like a fool most of the time. This is benefiting him in some way. We don't understand it, but it's what his spirit wants to experience and explore. So it's all beneficial. Well, what a delight you both are. How can people know? How can they know more about you? How can they? I know you do a lot of classes. I know you have books. You have trainings. How can people find you? and learn more about you? Well, you know, first go to our website, which is just www.bluesoulearth.com. And then we also have, you know, free videos on our Blue Soul Earth um, YouTube channel. So people can go to Blue Soul Earth on YouTube and hit subscribe. It's obviously free. We do have a podcast called Blue Soul Chats, and that's just anchor.fm backslash Blue Soul Chats. And then we just launched a new platform called Study with Spirit, and that's just studywithspirit.com. And that's all of our, you know, pre-recorded courses on demand that kind of walk you through what we call core courses. It's really foundation courses that's part of what we call your soul's evolution, right? And that's, you know, foundational stuff like how to connect to your guides, um, manifesting, right? Manifesting through spirit. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Um, We do a whole uh, pretty intensive course on your soul itself. It's called your your soul ignite. Mm -hmm. And then we have an energy body course as well. So there's lots of things that we keep adding. We're about ready to launch in the next month um, replays of our sacred geometry with Metatron and Melchizedek energies. Um, We're going to be launching that uh, probably sometime in March. So, you know, that's just another place where people can go and you can register to be part of Study with Spirit without purchasing anything, really. There's some free guided meditations there, too. And, um, oh, and then we just uh, we just announced and um, launched something uh, in January called Blue Soul Ignite. 
And we're very excited about that. That's a membership program. Very inexpensive, right? To for people to be part of it. And we meet once or twice a month. There's guided meditations, there's energy transmissions, there's live channeling where people can ask questions to the guides. And so that's uh, that's exciting because we, you know, we we got that idea from Blue Soul, our Blue Soul Masters um, advanced course. And what we saw was the continuity of our people meeting, you know, over and over and over again, and just, you know, doing breakout sessions and breakout rooms and practicing with each other and just being in that resonance field. We remember, you know, it was just like, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, Ben's channeling already. He's already, and he's only been doing this with us for two months and suddenly he's channeling. So we had all these kind of breakthrough moments with people who were working with us. And we thought, how can we do this on a regular basis and in an inexpensive way, right? But just to bring community together. So, and that's over on the studywithspirit.com page as well. And then lastly, I know there's a lot, we're doing a lot of stuff. And then lastly, and this is for women's own, women only, sorry guys, but this is Magdalene Sisters. And this is a sisterhood group once a month as well. Um, it's only whatever, 133 a year. Or so again, no brainer on price, but again, a community membership thing for women only, although we do bring in Anthony for some live channeling. <laughs> for the guinea pig, Anthony, you're the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, I'll have, I'll He's very humble with it. He really does a good job because, at first, you know, at first it was just sharing among the women, no Anthony, right? And then we started integrating the live, like I would get the downloads and I would read her channel message for the month. And now we do two per month and, and you'll come and do the live channeling. I yeah. mean, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Um, but Magdalene comes through and, you know, she is such a force. She's, you know, the best way to describe her is Martin, like a female Martin Luther King on steroids. That's who she is. She's political. She's, she wants to ignite women and, you know, get them to speak their power um, step into their truth, not have fear. And to your point, when you said, why is Magdalene in your field? Because the potential of the persecution, that's absolutely why she's there, right? I mean, that's who she is. She's she's here to support women and say, okay, do your work, step into your power, and I'll be here to assist along the way. So, right. so yeah. everything's at bluesoulearth.com. Basically, that, that's a good place for everybody to start. Bluesoulearth.com and studywithspirit.com. So study with yeah, spirit. All the programs that we just spoke about, that's all on studywithspirit.com. Okay, terrific. Thank you so much. I know that's joining a lot. us. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, no, no, I, I want you to get that out there. And everybody that's watching and listening, sending you lots of love. Mwah. From Sweet Home, Alabama and California. These guys are in California and hope you have a great weekend, wonderful week next week. And I'll meet you back here next Thursday. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com.
This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.